Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good morning. How you doing? Good. Well, just in case you've been living in a hole somewhere... Today is a very special day for us living here in Albuquerque and New Mexico. Tonight, Mariah Duran will be competing in the Women's Olympics skateboard competition. Come on! I'm so excited. I was picking up uh, food for everybody at at Taco Cabana this morning, and me and that young kid that was in the window, I'm like, dude, are you going to watch that? He goes, bro... You've got to be kidding me. I'm going to be there. If she wins, we'll make her the king or the queen of New Mexico. So it's going to be fun. Look out, Governor. All right. Today we're starting a new series, Bingeworthy. Now, if you've been around during the time of COVID, it should be a book, In the Time of COVID. Anyway, many of you participated in what I will call the binge-watching sort of marathon. Anybody do that? Netflix, Hulu, all of the Christian channels. You only subscribe to the prayer channel, right? Yeah, just praying. I was praying. I was binge praying the whole time. Well, we're going to, we've started this summer with talking about the Bible. And we talked about its origins last week. And this week, we're going to start a new series titled Binge Worthy, but it's sort of an introduction to what we're going to do. That You notice the hook line is the book is always better than the movie, right? The book's always better. Speaking of books, this week um, I went to get uh, vaccinated it, it, for rabies. It wasn't for COVID or anything like that. <laughs> so I was kind of aware that I might get sick, so I went to my office and picked out one of my jewels, treasures, a first edition biography about a guy that I just admire, the pastor I admire most back in the 1800s. And so I love the author, and I thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to get in bed, I'm going to be sick, and I'm going to read a book. So it started raining, you know, the big, you know, Northeast Heights rain came in, and I was laying in bed, and I read, and it was wonderful, and I fell asleep, and I woke up to the sound, because I had the book next to me, it couldn't be in a safer place, except for my little dog was chewing the end off of the book and chewed it up. So I did what I could do. I took her out and called all the neighbors around, and we banished her from the neighborhood. (laughs) But you notice how movies are great, but rarely do they meet the level that the book is at. Sometimes they do. It's amazing. Sometimes they exceed that. But we're going to look at the book. And here's why. He said, Dave, we study the Bible every week. Yeah, but I want you to know that I am committed to your biblical education, and love for God and His Word. Because I've been dieting for four months. It's only been effective for three. The last month, eh, not so much. But the whole process of dieting is reducing your calories, right? 
And so you're not as strong, you're kind of weak, you don't feel as good, but the point is to lose weight. Well, in Bible study, you can't live on snacks, okay? God didn't mean for you to flourish and to get strong and be robust by just snacking on little scriptures. You know, if you ever go on uh, social media, you'll always see these little snacks that people throw up. Here's something that a famous Christian said, snack, you know, it just, I'm like, what are we doing? We need to be people who have our worldview, the way that we see the world and we understand the world, deeply rooted into a book, I'm telling you, that will be around longer than anybody or anything. The book, the book, the Bible. And because of that, we're going to follow a lot of the genres that you would see normally during a binge-watching episodes. I like to watch comedy. I don't know about you guys. Probably couldn't figure that out. And I like documentary and westerns. And if you can combine all three, trifecta. Anyway, there's other shows like CSI, which are, you know, crime scene investigation, news, drama, action adventure, horror stories, true... By the way, those of you who like horror horror stories, what is wrong with you? That's just one of many rebukes to come today. (laughs) Many of you read novels, right? Great novels, magazines, history, biography. But the Bible has all of these genres, all of the same genres, guys, and they're compelling. You have historical drama. You have action-adventure. You have true crime. There's educational. It builds you up personally. There's mystery. There's romance. There's poetry, etc., and you get the point. I want you to commit with me that you're going to be a person who is not satisfied with the status quo snack Christianity, and you're going to delve in, and we're going to dive into this water, and we're going to speak of it with each other because we live in a crazy world. Can anybody say amen? It's just getting crazier. Well, what, what do we do? Well, we go back to the basics. We go back to the origins. We go back to the beginning. And I'm telling you, if you're feeling a little nervous and you're thinking, you know, I'm not a scholar. I'm not, it's hard for me to do this. Listen, you're going to feel very comfortable that you can navigate your way around through Scripture because we're going to bring up these different genres and the stories that, that are found within that genre. And we're also going to break it down each week so that you can understand it and see where we're going and get you the tools that you need so that you can begin to do it with yourself and with others. All right, getting started. You need to know that there's basically three components that are very important in understanding Scripture. There's history, there's literature, and there's theology. History is important to us, and we study it because we find the cultural, uh, the, the cultural morals. We have the, the norms of culture in there. We're able to look and see how a person lived and how they believed. And so the history is very important. So uh, the history, the 
political history, the economic history, all that surrounds that environ is important to us. But if we spend too much time on that, we become a little history heavy. Then there is literature. And we have to understand and look at the Bible in its own literary forms, not necessarily pasting upon top or overlaying our own literary norms, but we take them as they come to us within their culture, okay, and we try to derive meaning in that process. And then there's also theology, okay? Theology, my friends, is the study of God and his inworking in this world. It, the study of theology is not just the study of God because we don't know fully about God unless it were coming through human beings, as we'll find out in Scripture. That's where it all came from. So there's this constant mixture there. And here's the point. The point is that all three of these, history, literature, and theology, are not independent of each other. And the temptation is to overemphasize one in favor of the other, and we do so, and we make a mistake in the process, and we become off balance. So we're going to work on that continual balance. Because some will, will take Scripture and just look at the, the history, and it becomes just some knowledge, some facts. You can have it as literature, and you can enjoy it and read it and, and enjoy the prose, but it's not transformative. And if you, if you just take it as theology, you can get a theology book, a systematic theology book, and you learn all of the details of systematic theology, and then you interpret Scripture based upon that, and none of it gives you the full picture. You have to do it together, and so we'll be hammering on that thought for months to come. <clears throat> All right, knowing. Knowing and understanding, there is a process. Knowing and understanding has to do with mores, cultural mores. That is the unspoken elements within a culture that are so embedded and so a part of the culture that you never ever identify them, rarely do, because it's just a part of who you are. First time, I had green chili in New Mexico. I was 14 years old. We had stopped in Santa Rosa at a restaurant. And I was from Texas. <clears throat> Lord, forgive me. I didn't. Lord, don't send me back like all those other people that moved there. I just need to stop and pray for a second. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. <laughs> But um, we stopped at this restaurant, and, and all I knew in my whole life, when somebody said chili, it was either followed by wolf brand or homemade. Red beans, hamburger meat, various spices, hot, perfect every time. Put it on Frito pie, you're in heaven, right there. But they didn't have that. What they had was they had, you could order a bowl of green chili. And I looked at my brother and I said, have you ever had green chili? He said, no. And I said, well, I don't know if I want that. He said, I dare you. You're chicken if you don't get it. <laughs> so he was wrong. I wasn't chicken. I ordered it and they brought out green chili. 
It was just like green chili. Uh, it was peppers and some kind of sauce, and there was no meat or anything else in it. It wasn't stew. Maybe just a little bit, you know, of carne in there, but not much, not that I could detect. And I looked at it. My brother looked at me, and he said, well, are you going to eat it? And I said, yes. One of the best things that I've agreed to in my whole life. But my assumption going in there was it's going to be red, it's going to have meat, it's going to have, you know, a, a cowboy's picture on the front of it, maybe with a lariat, an old tin plate or something. But it wasn't. And everybody in New Mexico knew what a bowl of green chili was all about. Here's another one. But it was unspoken. It was unspoken in me. It was unspoken in them. Nobody explained anything. How about those of you, how, how many of you have been in the state maybe for a couple of years? Out-of-towners? You've been here a long time, Linda. Okay. Now, um, but because we have folks who come from various places, and one of the things they always say is like, the food's so spicy here. Thank you. You're welcome. Of course it is. <laughs> but you can imagine showing up here and, and, and a, a waiter at the restaurant asks you, would you like red or green or you want Christmas? What, are you going to put some nuts and some chocolate on there? What are you doing? But all of the rest of us, it's just understood. We know what Christmas is. And so <clears throat> in Scripture, the big thing for us is to try to get into the, the culture enough to where we can see and hear what's actually happening, right? Because it's the things that are not said. It's the mores that are of culture that are not spoken of that make all the difference, when I was a kid, there was this sort of phrase that was thrown together, but it was all throughout the South. Maybe you heard it here too. But the parents would say things like, don't smoke or chew or go out with the girls that do. <laughs> if you went out with a girl that chewed, you could at least share the snuff. So that was pretty nice. But we knew, you know, it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, kind of joking, but we knew what the parents were talking about. We knew what they're saying, all right? I, heard, I read a book this week, and I'm going to give you some resources. Um, we'll, we'll try to get a resource together where you can follow along and, and uh, read what I'm reading and so forth. But <clears throat> this missionary gave a story. He said we, we were in Indonesia, and uh, we had a visiting missionary come to us. We had small kids, and uh, so... Our little five-year-old son was there, and, and he met the, the missionary lady who came to visit with us, and she was very proper and nice. He said, my wife and I had never cussed in front of our children. That's probably a good thing to do. But he said, my, our kid, because of that, our kids didn't know what cussing was because they had never heard it before because they basically lived with us, and they lived in another country. So our little son is getting ready to go out in the backyard, and... The, the, the missionary lady said, where are you going, son? And he replied, and I quote him, and I'm going to make it soften in, a little bit. He said, none of your darn, with the other word, business. <laughs> now, to hear that coming out of a five-year-old, his parents were mortified, and he saw the look on their face like, oh, my gosh. And so he, he started crying and ran out of the house, and uh, <laughs> 
it took them a long time to convince that lady that they weren't cussing all the time. They finally had watched a movie a few months later that they had seen before, and the hero of the movie, you know, definitely said, it's none of your uh, darn business. Anyway, cultural mores are embedded in our psyche, okay, and they, listen, I'm telling you, they are just understood, and that is really what you're working to get at when it comes to Scripture, okay? And so this is where the work begins, right? It's the exploration of Scripture, looking for these clues can make all the difference, okay, in understanding a given text. Looking for clues is very important. Why? Because it is a divine book and it is a human book. It is not just like uh, people got in a trance, okay, Peter, you write the next book, okay, good. Get in the trance and then just get your pen out and then the Holy Spirit starts writing and he wakes up and he's going, wow, this is amazing. Now that's called automatic writing and that's for nuts. You don't want to do that. But what they did is Scripture tells us that they were eyewitnesses and they were moved along, especially in the New Testament. In fact, we'll read from you from last week, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Be sure and write these down, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I want you to commit them to memory and put them in your notes, and don't forget about them. You'll be tested in the, in the parking lot next week. 2 Peter 1, verse 12 through 21. Hang in there. It's kind of long, but it's very important. So, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in this tent of my body, because I know that I will soon put it aside. Our Lord Jesus has made that clear to me, and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power, the Messiah. But we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. We received, he received honor and glory from the Father when the voice came to him from that majestic glory who was on the mount. This is my son whom I love, whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard the voice that came from heaven and we were with him on the sacred mountain. We also have a prophetic message, okay, Prophetic means to speak forth, completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, that is, you can't miss it, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your own hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy, okay, no prophecy of Scripture no prophecy at all, came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For the prophecy never had its origin, okay, in human. It never had its origin in human will. But prophets, through, though human, spoke from God 
as they were carried along, or the, the language is picturesque, they were moved along like a ship being pushed by the wind along by the Holy Spirit. And one more. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, writes in his short first letter, he says, that which was from the beginning. I was going to recite this in Greek because I had to memorize it years ago. And then I started doing it, and I, it would have been embarrassing, but it would have been funny. Anyway, that was which from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, we've, and we've looked at, okay? With our hands we have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life, the message of life. The life appeared, and we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim it to you, the eternal life which was with the Father (coughs) has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make your joy complete. So you get the picture here. It is divine from God. It is fully human. God used the personality of each person. God used the education level of each person. Paul has a lot of hard words in his letters that only appear once in the New Testament. John, he's a lot more simple. But the Word of God came through both. Okay? Now, the reason I bring that up is not just as a fact, but because God has chosen to work through human beings. God chooses to work through us. God will work through you today. If you open your heart to Him, He will speak to you, and He can help change people's lives. He changed the course of the world. That's the way He has chosen to do so. So you can't put down the human element without putting down the divine element as well. Make sense? Okay, we'll move on. All right, this brings us to knowing. Three things, once again, are in relationship to each other. The author, the text, and the reader. The author, the text, and the reader. Obviously, from the passage we've read here, the originating author of the Scriptures is the Holy Spirit. We're told Jesus didn't write anything. He wrote something in the sand, we mentioned last week, but He wrote into the hearts of His followers and the believers to come. The Holy Spirit. There is human, but then there are the cultural mores that we have to deal with. The things that when the author knows his environment, where he came from. His worldview is caught up in God because all of these authors knew Scripture to some extent, the Old Testament. And they began, God began to speak to them as the Holy Spirit came upon them in the New Testament. And because of that, okay, it would come from them through their personality and through, okay, their cultural experience and worldview. So, uh, interesting thing. There are a lot of Gospels beyond Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, They're called Gnostic Gospels. 
There are Gospels that came 2nd, 3rd century. They came later than the 1st century. And people say, well, how come that they're not in the canon of Scripture? They're not in the Bible. Well, because there is a difference and there is a dividing line. You see, the early church was primarily, exclusively, almost Jewish. This is a Jewish gig. God chose this group of people. He made them special. He has a message for the whole world. So you have the Hebrew writings of the Old Testament in Aramaic. You have the New Testament in Greek, the lingua franca that we talked about last week. But it first came as the Messiah came to his people, the Jewish people, to the Jewish nation, okay? And then from there to the rest of the world. So the original writings, the first century writings, have a very Jewish cultural feel to them. The writings that come after are representative of what it looked like when it began to hit other cultures. It would have little pockets of cultures in Latin or Syriac, Aramaic, and so forth. But when the Greeks got a hold of it, a lot of them took a lot of their mythology and their understanding of the world, their worldview, and it comes out in those texts. See, that's kind of a long explanation. It could have been longer, so you're welcome. Okay. (laughs) All right. So when we look at the, the, the author, we have to consider a few things. We don't assume that we know everything about them. Then there's the text. There's the problem of language. The Bible is written in three languages. You have Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. However, people spoke Aramaic. People also spoke and read Greek. And I will tell you, it is tough to give pure representation to a translation in English. English is always begging for, you know, an object, begging for a subject, begging for a predicate, and and it needs to be fitted in those orders some way or somehow. But you find in Greek and inflected languages and other languages, those of you who speak both Spanish and English will understand and you'll make statements from time to time. It's hard to translate this particular word or phrase into English because it, 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 it's not, we're not able to give it the sense, but we'll do the best that we can. So when you're reading a lot of the New Testament, there is that sense in there that you're missing something because of the language, and there's so much of the mores embedded within the language itself. But what we have to, to, to realize is that this book was not written for scholars, okay? It was written for everyone, for the average person. In fact, many people, as we mentioned last week, began to read as they were taught the New Testament for the first time in their life. They began to read so that they could understand it for themselves, and copies were scattered to the winds all over the world. However, you take that time period, that culture, those languages, all of the socio-political environs, and the people who were the original readers immediately would understand it. Do you want Christmas? Yes, I do. 
on enchiladas, but, you know, not on huevos. Okay, anyway. So, they understood it. But we have to work a little bit harder to get there, okay? And so you have those big study Bibles. You wonder why that thing's so heavy? It's not just for cardio or for, you know, weightlifting and so forth. There's, there's information in there. And so we refer to them because we want to understand more. Now, for you to say, I just can't understand it, you're just giving up and you're being lazy and you're not telling the truth. Most people can find a, a translation. Most of us can find a mentor or someone to help explain what the text is talking about or at least begin to give insight, okay? But here's the deal. So you have the author, <laughs> cultural mores, text, cultural mores, and then you have the reader. And our, our intention when we interpret Scripture or, or explore Scripture is to try to find out what it meant to the original hearers or readers and then begin to apply it to us. A lot of the problems that we have are immediately applying it to us today. You just read it in English, and I just apply it to me right now, and I totally get it. But you are reading it through your world view. And I'm telling you, people, we have the craziest worldview of all time. Think about the technological age that we live in and the information age. How many of you have a computer in your pocket? It's called a phone. You've got those things, and you can have access to things all over the world. You have ads. You have algorithms that are learning and studying you and figuring out ways to get into your wallet. We understand things based upon our cultural worldview. That's why we continually urge each one of us to go back to the original documents and delve into the worldview that God has given us. All right. This can be done only with the prompting of the Holy Spirit. God, His Holy Spirit that wrote the book, that was the author will help you and give you insight. Okay, here's some action items this week. Start with the questions. You learned them all in grade school. What are they? Who, what, where, when, and why. Let's say those together. Who, what, where, when, and why. All right? I'm telling you, if you think that's very simple, that's the way this stuff gets done. You go in there like a crime scene investigation and you look around at the passage of Scripture and you begin to ask these questions, especially if it's a narrative or a story. You go in, who's the author? Okay, let me look up and find out a little bit about the author. What's being said? Is there action, verbs? What, is it in a town, a countryside, or a village? Do I know anything about it? What is its core, uh, historical context? Okay, <clears throat> What, what words are being said? What, what what's action is being taken? And what did the original hearers think about? And beyond that, what can I learn and apply to my life? And what is the Holy Spirit saying to me today? I was talking to a person uh, the other day. Uh, I go over and visit my brother and get to know all of his neighbors. And uh, one neighbor was talking to me and said, you know, I gave my life to Christ the other day. I said, that's wonderful. 
yeah, I was watching TV, and I thought to myself, okay, that's one good thing about television. Okay. But anyway, <laughs> it, was, it, it was really kind of exciting. The person was sharing with me their experience and so forth. And uh, they said, well, what about the Holy Spirit? How, how can you know that the Holy Spirit's talking to you? And I said, to me, I would say, if you were blind, let's say you're blind, and you grew up around your mom, your mom is sweet, and you would know your mother's voice from any other voice. You would feel and know that your mom's touch more than any other in the world. It is embedded in your mind. And I said, God has created human beings. And the voice of God and the touch of God in the Holy Spirit is undeniable. There's nothing like it in the world. Like when the Lord blinded Paul the Apostle on the road to Damascus. <laughs> Lord, Lord. <laughs> he knew who it was. He called out to him. He knew. So, all of that said, find a passage, maybe in a gospel, start to read and begin to ask these questions. Write things down. Look them up. How many of you have a Bible dictionary? Okay, some people. I, I can sell. I have a few in the trunk of my car. I'll be glad to sell some of you after service. $29.99. If you don't have a Bible dictionary, I would suggest that you buy one. Don't buy a small one. Buy the biggest one you can find because you're going to want to buy more. If you don't want to spend money on that, you don't feel like you have time and you're more computer compliant, then you can look online. There's a Blue Letter Bible. There's a, many other online Bible resources out there that you can get for free. But what you'll do is you'll begin to take the Scripture, you'll begin to ask questions, and you'll find out, well, where's this village in relationship to this village? Okay, was it a province? Okay, was it under Roman control? Where, what are the time frames here? What is the language? You can look those things up, and here's what happens. You ever put a jigsaw puzzle together? Hopefully, it's only at winter, and it's at a cabin or like at a family reunion. Right? Hopefully, you're not like doing jigsaw puzzles year-round. Yeah. <laughs> but you start out with the edges, right? You, you always kind of build the edges, and once you get the edges in, you start to put in pieces. And learning Scripture is that way. It may start out like a big jumbled box of craziness. But all you do is you start linking those pieces together. And pretty soon, pictures begin to appear and you begin to understand. And all of a sudden, the Lord is speaking to you. And it's so exciting, so rewarding. The book is always better. The book is always better. And I want you to know that I am going to stay on top of you. You're not going to sneak out of this. I'm not going to catch you snacking on little, you know, I got this little pamphlet the other day. Oh, nice. You've seen the Bible? It's a lot better than that. So here's my challenge. Get a dictionary. Find something online. Start looking up stuff, start learning, start putting Scripture into your heart, into your mind, because these times are no joke. And if you're not tethered, if you're not grafted in, if you're not embedded in God's worldview, 
you're in for a ride. You're in for a ride anyway, but you're in for a bigger ride. Then with that, I give you my Psalms challenge and we'll be done. I started this challenge with some friends of mine who we, we were reading through the Psalms. And I, I was trying to read as slow as they do, but I can't. So I read ahead. And, but the, the idea is you have to study a Psalm, read it, and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. And one that really impresses your heart, you, you send it to your friend, you call him up and ask him, hey, tell me about your Psalm today. And I am going to ask if you've read your psalm today, because it's been transformative in the way that we're praying right now. I'm praying, and I'm excited, and I'm expecting God to do stuff, you know? Lord, you see that loud mouth on the TV? Lord, smash the teeth in their mouth as David prayed. No, I'm, I would never publicly acknowledge that. Anyway, so, folks, don't miss out. Stop watching the worthless news that is driving us insane. Stop watching horror films. I can't sleep at night. Yeah, I know why. Okay. Get into the Word. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I'm going to start hanging out in the foyer out here, and I'm going to come up to you, and I'm smiling. They're like, hi, Pastor Dave. Hey, tell me about your psalm. Tell me about the psalm that you've read. Not what some famous person said about the psalm, but you. You can become famous in my book. I want to know. And I want you to be excited about God. And if you're here this morning, you haven't followed Jesus Christ, let me just tell you something. You haven't missed the boat. The boat is here. Boat Jesus, the Messiah, pulls in every day into your life. And today is the day that you should jump on board. We're about to take communion this morning. As we do so, uh, I just want to, to let you know that it's not about being good and being perfect. Nobody is. Nobody expects anybody else to be. The truth of it is nobody. We know the truth. But God loves you and he says, man, I want to make your life so valuable. I want you to, to understand how much I really do care. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, everybody just bow their head. I, I, if you've never done this, just raise your hand this morning. I just want to know. I want to see you, and I'm going to pray for you. Today's your day to get it right. Don't mess around. Nobody's looking. No one's going to snicker. Just raise your hand up and let me know that you want prayer. Anybody. All right. Anybody else? Okay. Well, let's just pray this prayer together. Lord, I give you my life. I surrender myself to you. All of my sins, Lord, forgive me. I want to walk with you. I want to be born of your Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And allow me to walk with you day by day as your servant. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to talk to you after the service. And, and just to let you know that, man, it's, it's going to get better. It's going to keep getting good. All right. So, the bread. Let's take the bread.
Jesus told his disciples, this bread is reminiscent of my body, which was broken for you. As often as you get together, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It's offered and spilled for you. Lord Jesus, we honor you today. Our Lord, our Messiah, our King. And we honor your great kindness to us. Lord, that this cup is not for the perfect, but for sinners. It is medicines for our soul. Oh, Lord, bless your holy name. Amen. Best meal of the day. Thank you, Lord. All right. Well, we're going to finish the service with something very sad. Tom and Stacy, get up here right now. These folks have been in this fellowship for long before I got here. And that was when I had hair. <laughs> Paul, do you want to say something? Come on up. We have a microphone for you. Paul's the head of our deacons. Tommy is one of our deacons. And just an awesome bass player. And just, an, you know, it's just so sad. Why are you breaking all of our hearts? I told, I told you, I told you that... Um, my intention was to get you to cry publicly. That's, that's, but they got traded to Utah, and they're going to be uh, working with the Mormons over. And uh, I'm not just I'm just there's a lot in Salt Lake City. That's just a fact. There's nothing negative there. I'm just saying it. But thank you so much. Thank you so much, man. I've just seen you guys grow. And you've just been such a benefit to everybody around you. And I'm telling you, folks, these are, if you didn't get to know them, too bad, too late. But it's, it's the whole process of being Christians to get to know one another and watch people grow and be a part of other people's lives. And you just so exemplify that. And I just can't imagine the, the ministry that you're going to have. Paul, you want to say something? Because... Stacy's just come alongside him and been so involved with women's ministry and shopping for folks uh, during COVID, and uh, these folks have just plugged in in a big way, and I've come to love both of them, and I'm just going to miss them terribly. So we send you with our love. I uh, hope you come back and visit. We'll come and see you, but uh, thank you so much for all your service to this body. Yeah, we're going to flash your new address on the screen, and they have plenty of guest rooms, so just uh, show up. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for what you do in us. Lord, thank you for this dear couple, dear friends. Lord, that our heart aches, but that's when you know it's really love. And Lord, we pray that you would bless them in powerful ways, that you would work out all the details, Lord, and they would find a new home, a new mission in you. Lord, bless them. Thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. All right, stand up. Let's get a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. God smile on you 
and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper and give you peace. And if you think that you can do any better than that, tell me about it next week. All right, get to your Psalms because I am going to hound you. God bless you. Have a great week. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.